the paranormal direct to your ears. This is Whispering Hour Podcast with Andy and Kirsty. Okay. Yep. We are now live. Okay, cool. So you, you, you've got us now. Thank you for, for, for joining us again and thank you for trying all them codes. It's been a bit of a nightmare. No worries, no worries. <laughs> glad, glad, glad to be here. <laughs> so um, we, we had some uh, great feedback from uh, from the last interview. It was uh, it, it, it was it was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Really enjoyed yeah. everything that you had to say to us. We're looking forward to uh, hearing about these stories you were telling us about and the, uh, the, the 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 books as well. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So um, so why don't, why don't we start? But with your with your book collection then that you were telling us about and your and the uh, the Necronomicon that you were telling us about. Yeah, I have a. Well, over the years, when it comes to demonology, I spent a lot of money, you know, for gathering books for information because books are, books are, books are what you need in this business. Books are everything, you know. You have them for life. They're all the information. They're all the education. Everything you need is in a book. So I spent years just collecting occult books, and I got a lot of books from cases. And I have a good book collection, and everything in the book collection is all demonology, ghosts, paranormal, parapsychology mediumship, psychic, there's everything there in the paranormal. Even aliens, that's crazy, but it's there anyway. <laughs> out, out of body experiences, anything you want is in my library, which is which is good. It's handy to have, you know. Yeah, so I, I was doing up some reading about the Necronomicon before. And, um, yeah, the, the Book it, of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, the Book of the Dead, that's, that's exactly what I got from it. It does say that um, it touches on everything from, from um, the occult to the paranormal, etc., yeah, see, there's a couple of Necronomicons. There's uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Necronomicons. He, he wrote them, but the, the Necronomicon I managed to get was, I think it was a second edition. It's, called, it's by Simon. And so it's basically what it goes into. This man called Simon, no one really knows who he is. But from, for years and years, these, him and his friends, they just collected like uh, scriptures and, you know, old books and... They just put it all together. And a couple of their friends used to just do years ago. I don't know how to just come across books. I don't know what to do. I have the video there somewhere I could post on your page. But basically, they, they broke into people's houses and they robbed these old books and manuscripts. And someone came across this old manuscript with the Necronomicon. It was a different version. And uh, they put it together and they released a book. And it's a fantastic book. But it's very rare. It's very hard to get, you know. But the book I got was from America. I think it cost about seven seven hundred at the time i'm not quite sure wow. but um the thing with buying secondhand books especially occult books is you have to be very careful because uh they're some of them are used and then the necronomy sorry can't even say the word at times the <laughs> necronomicon i got is the same one it's in a it's the same version the same exact same book that's in the world's occult museum so it is there is something with that book that people have been using you see a book is a book but when a book has instructions, occult instructions, how to open doors, how to summon, how to bring things forward. It comes down to the person using the book for their intentions as well, because not all books are bad, you know? Yeah. It's like a Ouija board. A Ouija board is, you know, it's a cardboard with the alphabet printed on it, you know? You can have 10, 11 people using a Ouija board with good, positive thoughts, and you might get positive feedback. You might get a good spirit. Yeah. But you could have three, four people using a Ouija board and whatever intentions they have in their mind, subconsciously using the board, it can open doors. So, so what? I, I don't know if you can answer. What do you use yours for? Then what? What? 
what what yeah. what do you do with yours? Mine and mine are just in my library. It's a book collection I've collected over the years and years of occult books. Just to have for information. If I want to know something, I just read through it. If I want to find out about Saintism or Luciferians or, you know, witchcraft, I have all the books there to, to read because I could get a case where there could be witchcraft symbols, there could be Saintism, you know, there could be these symbols all over the wall, all over the walls in the house. And it's nice to know what the symbols are. The noise, it's nice to do your research, but like I say, not all witchcraft is bad. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and slander people either. I don't do that. I don't get them. I don't, you know, I don't, when I go out to do a case, I don't judge people. That's the least I do. I'm there to help them. That's all. I don't care what they've done. If they worship the devil, if they've used Ouija boards, I don't care. I'm only there to fix the problem and help the person, not judge them. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not up to us to judge anybody. Yeah. You know, we can't, we're only there to help people. And if we were to judge people, well, no one would ask for help, you know? Yeah. So, so talking about books then, you've, you, you've had some of your cases uh, published in a couple of books yourself, haven't you? Yeah, I've been a couple of books, yeah. I was in uh, Eric and Gamut on a couple of books years ago. Some of my case files are in two of the books. And at the moment, we're writing our own books, so that's gone pretty slow because yeah. you know when you have a family with kids, you have a home to run, so it's hard to sit down and actually just just write the book, you know, you have to go through all the case files. It's, it takes a long time, so it's slowly putting it together, but there's no hurry at the moment because, yeah. you know, the less, the less you are in the, in, the, in the public eye, the better as well. You know, you don't want too much uh, criticism or, you know, you don't want to be out there too much. I'm a kind of private person. Like when I don't go and do a case, it's private, confidential. I don't tell anybody. And when, when I did release my stories for the book, I had to get permission from every case. Because you can't have to change the names of the people, the locations. So someone can read the book and say, oh, Jesus, look, there's a haunt in Kilkenny. There's a haunt in Wexford. But it mightn't be Kilkenny. It mightn't be Wexford. Yeah. It's just the locations I put in to make up the, yeah. the information that I can't, yeah. that I can't release, you know. Yeah. So there's people's... Be... Sorry? No, go on, sorry. So I think last week we were talking about... Uh, well, over the years, I've collected a lot of books, but I've also I've made mistakes in demonology. When I started doing demonology years and years ago, there was no demonologists around. There was me. It was, there was the Catholic Church, of course, but they don't give information. You know, they keep to themselves. So when I was trying to study and learn all this, it's, it's you know, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, you copy other demonologists. You copy other people. You're trying to do what they do. But at the end of the day, you learn from your mistakes. So when I started off, I was going into houses and I was getting haunted objects. I was taking uh, like Ouija boards. I was taking rocking chairs, voodoo kits. And in the voodoo kits, I took from a case. I'm not going to say what case it is. The, the, the voodoo kits, I think they're worth a bill. At the time, like the person paid like could be a thousand euro to get these kits. They're, full, they're from Louisiana and they had bone, crushed bone, the graveyard dirt. It was horrible stuff to look at. So I took all these from cases. I took mirrors, pendulums, devil worshipping, stuff like upside down crosses. I spent years doing this. And I remember when I collected all this stuff and I had it in a house I was renting a long time ago. And uh, I had a whole spare room filled to the top with haunted objects. And I think at the and I think what tipped it over was I had a couple, I had about geez, seven, eight Ouija boards, and they were and on the Ouija boards from clients, there were 
the board itself was moving. They were the, the demon that come forward on the board was given its name, given its name as the Zozo demon, which is a, a demon that is associated with the Ouija board and it's very dangerous. Once you come across the Zozo, you're in a world of trouble. So we got an exorcist priest in to do that case, you know. And uh, so I have all these things in my house at the time. And uh, you know, I was living by myself. <laughs> the house got darker over a couple of weeks. And, you know, you go to bed and, uh, you know, something sits on the bed, the lights flicker. So it was, it was, no matter how brave you are, you know, when you're by yourself in your own home, you do sort of freak out a bit, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. that, so I, had, I had a bad haunting that lasted about six, seven months. Proper. I got to the stage where I was sitting in the bed and I could see figures, green eyes appearing. And it was prime one day. I was asking for help. I was going, what am I going to do? Like, I was ringing demonologists in America. They were praying over the phone. I was doing everything to clear my home, and I couldn't figure out what was causing the harm. Like, I was going, there's something following me home from a case. Did I do a case wrong? And, you know, when people think of haunted objects, like the Warren Museum, where people keep these objects, you don't think anything of it. I used to bless the objects, put holy water, put holy oil. But then, as I was praying one night, begging for help, I heard laughing in the room. I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And to this day, it freaked me out. This thing just appeared in my mind with horrible eyes and it laughed and it kept saying, you invited us in, we're invited and we're not leaving. So anyway, I rang a demonologist in America and explained what happened. This is another friend of mine. So anyway, he gave me a Bible quote. And the Bible quote was, I have a few of them here. Basically, what happens in this town in the Bible, a load of people brought all their, who were into sorcery and witchcraft, brought everything into the main square, everything unholy, and they burnt us and they said prayers over us. And he basically told me that most people would tell you that burning the haunted objects, the spirit will either go back and haunt the person or be free to do damage. But what I've learned is if you pray over objects properly, and you burn them and destroy them. You can destroy haunted objects. So I brought everything up. There was a field. We're not going to name the field. It's just, it's, it was a friend of a friend's property where we dug a hole and it took a couple of care journeys to bring everything up. We put everything into it, prayed over it, poured oil, done the water, done a special blessing, which I was given, and we destroyed everything. And then I felt better then. The haunting stopped. Wow. So, so the thing is, when people go into, you know, sales they go they go off you know you go into a new country sale you can do like people selling junk and secondhand furniture and mirrors and like deities from different cultures now like like african tribal heads and crazy stuff do you ever see like the, the different deities you get like the wooden statues now yeah. yeah 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 but you have to be very careful what you buy and what you bring into your house because you don't know if it's cursed yeah. you don't know what's attached to it because these tribes and where these things come from, they're into different religions, you know? So you, yeah. you have to be very careful. So it's the law of attraction, the law of invitation. You invite something into your home or you bring an object in. Whatever's attached to that object has permission to be in your home. Mm. And there's nothing you can do. You have to basically get rid of the object. You know, D different demonologists over the years do different things. Like the Warrens would keep their, ha their haunted objects in a museum. And you have a special exorcist priest that prays over us. That's what they do. But, um, 
but I can't, you know, agree or disagree with them. They're different demonologists. They do what they do. But my own, my own self, I feel safer not bringing objects from cases anymore. So yeah. I don't really bother anymore. So it's too dangerous, especially with kids in the house, yeah. you know? See, one thing no. I found um, a bit, to me, disturbing was when um, the week we were doing the Demonology Week, when I was researching on the internet, a lot of demon names came up and I was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe how easy it was to see something like that. And yeah. I was saying to Andy, young kids in this generation now were all for internet. And yeah. seeing something like that, it was like, wow. When the thing so is, the thing you should never believe or anything you read on the internet, like it's mm -hmm. never believe anything. Like most people that give to get into demonology, everybody thinks like you have to know all the names of the demons. Like I have books in there and all the names I've got encyclopedias that are very rare and names, but at the end of the day, do any person needs to know a name of a demon really? Well, there's two, let me explain this. There's demonologists is me and there are pastors and different Christians that do different things. They say when they're doing deliverance, they'll say, well, I call out the spirit of lust or anger. They go into all that stuff. I don't. I would, the prayers I use specifically do everything in the house. They bless the house. Like an exorcism prayer, it's like a major and a minor. I use minor exorcism prayers just for oppression and infestation and a major exorcism prayers for possession. But what I do is when you use any of these prayers, it doesn't, it doesn't drive out a demon straight away. What they do is they fill the home with positivity. They fill it with light. They bring so much goodness into the home that it sort of shifts the entity out of the home and bans them, it binds them as well, if that makes sense. It does two things. It removes them, but it also fills your house up with the positive to interact with the negative. You know, that's how you fight these things. That's why a positive person is your best defense against these things. Well, a negative person would draw in dark entities because their org field got darker. Like when you have a happy white, if you're a happy person, you're bubbly, you enjoy life, you're positive, your auric field, your vibrations are beautiful. They attract positive things. But if you're a negative person, you abuse animals, you're not a good person, your vibrations change, your auric field gets darker and this attracts dark entities. And if that makes sense, it's like, it's like addiction as well. If you can't control yourself, something else will control you. Yeah, you know. So we're hearing on the in the internet side of things. We were hearing. Oh, we read an article today. Um, I think it was back in 2018. Um, the, the the Vatican were rushing through um, courses of exorcists. Yeah. To try and to try and uh, keep up with the demand. Um, but, from you know, from exorcism, exorcism, exorcism is very rare. Very rare. Like for you to become possessed. You have to really give permission. They can't just possess you. Well, if you, how it happens with the infestation stage is where infestation is where the, the, the demonic being that's invited into your home haunts the house. Then you have oppression where it haunts the person. And then what it tries to do is possess you. But to possess someone, you have to literally break them. Before you have a nervous breakdown, they'll step in and possess you. You have to give permission to a lack of free will to just you basically, they basically break a human being, and it could take a long time, but they have to physically break you. 
the possession. It was very rare, you know. But when it, but the thing is, exorcism is a different game altogether. That's very, even, even I wouldn't. I've seen people that are near enough possessed. I've seen a lot of strange shit in my time, <laughs> scary stuff, and I don't yeah. get into it. And I've seen a lot of freaky stuff that would terrify you. But exorcism and <clears throat> the minute, see, I know my limitations. I'm a human being. I go in and I'll do what I can to help a person. But if I can't clear that house, and I, give, I mean, I give it socks to clear a house. I do everything, the prayers. I'll remove the attachments through certain prayers and healing. I'll do everything. But if there's something in there and it's stronger than me, I know straight away to stop. Straight away. Stop what I'm doing because this isn't about me. This is about the client. These things kill people. These things are dangerous. They are, they are, they are inhuman. So what I do is I'll email the bishop and let them step in because an exorcist is, it's a gift. Like an exorcist priest is usually 55 upwards. They're stern men. They're so strict. They're proper people. Like they're, there's no sin. They're strict. They're into their religion. They love God. There's no fault with them. They have to have no fault. Because once you go into a room with an, exor- with an exorcism, or an exorcism is taking place, they read your thoughts, they read your mind, they know your past, they know your sins, they know everything about you. And if you haven't confessed your sins, they, they'll, they'll, they'll turn around in front of everybody and they'll say, the demon will speak and just say, there he is, they had a drink, drink driving every week, or he crashed a couple of years ago, killed a girl. You know what I'm going to like? They know everything. And when you go into that room, like you're dealing with something so strong and so powerful, it comes down to the will of the exorcist and the will of the demon. And uh, they, they usually piss shit themselves. Like, it's all done on purpose to freak the priest out so he leaves. Levitations are there to distract the priest. Yeah. You know, if he's concentrating on praying to remove something and the person floats in the air, that's a distraction. That's a sign of power. That could freak out a priest. He could lose faith. He could just, he could leave the room. Everything is, you know, and then once you start an exorcism, you have to, you have to finish it. That's, you know what I mean? Like, and, some priests will tell you, some top exorcists in Rome will tell you that they exercise a person and it can come back three weeks later. They do it again. It can go on for two or three years. Yeah. When you exercise the demon, it leaves, but it will also come back with seven stronger. That's what they say. But the, the thing is, if you get exercised, you have to change your life. You have to become more positive, become religious, become a better person. If you don't do that, the door opens to possession again because they'll come at you three or four times as strong you see the thing with the thing with angels fallen angels is there i think there's nine orders of angel you know and you start at the bottom the angels the archangels and you work your way up to the top and at the top are the most powerful angels and uh, when the when the 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 fallen angels fell they brought different orders with them so you've got demons devils we call them demons and devils you got factory workers are demons they do all the work all the scary shit but then the devils are in charge. They're like the, the office. They're, they're the office and the demons are the factory workers. They're over them. They're the bosses. Like, and they're so well organized. It's ridiculous. They know everything about you. They, they, every time they go into a house, they, 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 the devils very rarely come into this world. When I say into this world, into, into a haunting. They like to stay in the background and give instructions. That's how they work. They don't like being seen. They don't like their identities being revealed. You know, the devil, you know, trick is he tried, you know, the devil, he just want people to know he exists. You know what I mean? Like, so what happens is when a devil does come into an exorcism, 
they're the top exorcism you see in movies like the Amityville Horror, the Annalise case, where people actually die because they're so strong, they're so angry. The, the hatred for God is ridiculous. When they get involved in haunting, wallpaper peels off the walls, radiators disappear. It turns into a demonic siege. It's very rare it happens, but when you do get involved, you're in a lot of trouble, you know? Crazy. See, the Annalise, the Annalise uh, case. You're the German girl, yeah? Uh, yeah, the uh, Emily Rose in it, the film. Emily uh, Rose, yeah. When I was yeah, reading Emily's. the actual um, case, I couldn't believe it, though, that she, uh, obviously, the demon made a staff, so she was, like, malnutritioned and... No, the de- if people, people that are being possessed can go without water and food for even a month, two months, you know? It can, just... it's str- yeah, it's, it is strange. I read the case, I went over, but there's a lot of stuff that does bother me as well, you know? It, you have, like, your, she was bipolar or she was epileptic, mm-hmm. or you have to go into the medical side of things too. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the one thing you do when you go into a case. Yeah. You have to make sure that there's a big difference between possession and mental illness yeah. you go into when you go into a case they ask the people are you on any medication i'm not a doctor so whatever medication you say they're on we google we do our homework to see mm-hmm. could this cause the side effects we ask them to see their doctor if we're not sure you know what i mean because people on medication are coming down after medication can they hallucinate they can see stuff like schizophrenics stop taking a medication and they hear voices and you know yourself mm-hmm. but on the other side of things as well is one thing I do like is that if someone tells me they have problems or they have medical history, I don't automatically not do the case. I'll go through everything with them because I know myself when I do go into the house, I will sense a spirit there. I'll feel the energy and I, I, can, I know then. So I don't step in there toes about medication or that stuff. I'll always encourage them to go to the doctor and stuff. So I'll go in and do the case and I do the clear and sometimes I go into cases and there's nothing there anyway. It's people are hearing noises upstairs, could be pipes rattling. But, you know, I don't, because I'm only there for a few hours because we travel a long distance and uh, people just want to see and want us out. We go to a house and I don't think there's anything there anyway. I'll still bless and seal the house because I'll pray over the house and do exactly what I do in a proper case because at the end of the day, all you're doing is bring goodness into the house. Plus you're giving a placebo effect. You know what I mean? Like, it gives people confidence. Yeah. Gets rid of the worry and the stress. Yeah. It's nice. It's, 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 it's crazy what, what you get involved in. When we, when we spoke to you last week, you mentioned, uh, you, 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 gave, you dropped a little teaser in there about a story um, with uh, Windows. Something with Oh, windows. yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that was the last house I was in with all the haunted stuff, the windows. I had double glazed in windows and the, and it was about three o'clock in the morning. I think the windows exploded, but the windows in the inside of the house exploded, but the windows on the outside were still sealed. And I could hear children laughing running across the road. So yeah, <laughs> it's a bit freaky. Yeah. <laughs> At that time and all, three yeah. o'clock. Oh god. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange time because I was like going to people's homes to do. Um, I always have a saying that it's it's it, it's a horrible saying, but it works for me. I can help everybody else, but I can't help myself. And that is the truth. I don't know why. When I go into people's homes, I'm a different person. I didn't know it was a demon. All it just clicks in. I work differently. I talk differently. I'm all business. When I don't like saying the word business, but I'm all there to help them. You know what I mean? 
But then when I'm by myself and these shit's happening, I'm a complete wreck. <laughs> and that's the truth because at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and go, yeah, I can walk into a house and do this and do that. Yeah, when you do it in other people's houses, I click in, I work, I work good. I'm not afraid of stuff. I've been pushed, scratched, punched. It doesn't bother me. But when I'm in my own house and you're being oppressed, it's a different story because they mentally break you down. You know, everybody has to ask for help sometimes, you know. We're not Superman. We're human beings. Yeah. And there's plenty of nights I've sat up in bed wondering, Jesus Christ, this is, oh, you know, what's going on? You're sitting there worried about your house. Did I bring something in? Is something going to do something? You know, because before you get a case, you always know if it's real. Yeah. Most of the time, shit comes to frighten you, scare you off, bangs on the walls and, you know, yourself, scratches on the windows, shit like that. But uh, over years and years of doing it, you get used to it, you know? It still so freaks you out, but... What, what do you do to wind down then after these cases? You must... You must, Do you take yourself off away somewhere and have some time to yourself? Or what, what, what do you, you see, do to... It's, it's different now because of COVID. Before it was... Before I've travelled England... Scotland, Birmingham, I've, I've done everything in different countries free of charge because the way I see it is, you know, I'm only here for a short amount of time and I don't know where I'm going. So, you know, make the difference, help people, be nice. So I've, I've an okay job. You know, if I have a few pounds saved up, what we used to do was we do a case once a month, maybe give us a month to do the case, the, the work and the case file. And uh, what we'll do is we'll book a hotel. You know, you have to drive four hours down the road. You know, you you do the case, then on the way back, you stay in your hotel, you get a few beers that night, and you, you, that's, you make a weekend of it, that's the only way you can do it, because if you didn't do that, it'd be constantly work, 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 because you work all day anyway in the normal job, then your weekends are taken up because of all the demonology, you know? And then, like, COVID's kicked in, you know, I've only done maybe three cases in the last, well, I've done three cases physically in people's homes in the last year, because I can't. Because of COVID. So what I've done was most of my cases have been over the phone. I do Skype calls with a couple of priests, pastors in America, and we talk to them. They'll pray over them. And that's all we can really do at the moment. Yeah. It's taking its toll. You can't go 5K down the road. Oh, it's, it, it, it's, it's been a horrible time. And as you said last time, you know, the whole nation's in fear at the moment. And it, 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 it could yeah. be having an effect and, and obviously there's not, not a lot that people can do. Um, a lot well, of people are spending time in their homes and they're starting to hear and see stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if their homes are haunted or not, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is that thing. It's that cabin fever sort of effect. Yeah. You, you just That's it. All the time. But you were still, sorry, I'm going to get back to a question you said there before because see, when I talk on the phone, I just get carried away sometimes. I just go into different stories, so I do apologise. No, that, that's you know? fine. That's fine. But um, you were talking right. about demon names. Demon names, there's power in names. And that is the truth. There's power in the name. Yeah. If, you, if you read the demon name and you say it out, you can draw that spirit forward. So you never really repeat the names. You don't get involved in that stuff, you know? Mm. That's true. Because, like, there's a lot of people, see, I've, it's strange, because I'm on a couple of Facebook pages there, and, you know, I don't judge anybody. I just go on to watch different pages at times, just to be curious. And there's people out there that worship demons and they love them and they get shit from them. But, you know, that's it's you, like the thing is as well, like you do all that, they don't touch you. You get what you want, but what happens when you die? Where do you go? A lot of these people that worship these demons and they love them and they get what you want. But at the end of the day, like if you're married with kids and you worship demons, what happens when you die? Do you get to see your kids and they pass or do you go somewhere else? People don't think the long the long game you know what I mean if you just think like money 
sex, power. That's what human beings love. That's the truth. We're easily swayed. And, it's, and that's what these things know. They use it against us, you know. So you, you, you've mentioned the name quite, uh, quite, quite a bit tonight. Um, you, you said you, um, you had a bit of a story about um, a visit to the Warrens Museum or being at the Warrens no. Museum. No, no, I like the Warrens. The Warrens are a fantastic demonologists. They've done a, done a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of work. Now, we're saying that they, I was, when I bought an economic and I was studying the book I had, and I was going through, a, I think it was, I like watching the Warrens there, and I've seen a couple of books in their museum, and I noticed that the exact same book I had was actually in the museum. It's like, Jesus, what the hell? So the, the thing is with the Necronomicon, not all ne- Necronomicons are bad. Most of them are stories, but the books you have hold that are used can hold power, can hold stuff. Like when I bought my Necronomicon, I had it there for a while, never read it. And uh, I said to myself, maybe I'll just bless the book, put a holy medal and I'll put it back in the shelf with the other books. And I read through it one day and I noticed the symbols in the book. This, is, this doesn't happen all the time in books. The symbols in the book were glowing and they floated up about a couple of centimetres off the page. And I knew the book was being used for something, so we shipped the book and I put it back in the, the library. So I haven't touched it since. But it's grand because I have a lot of books there, but the kids have no interest in the cult. no interest in anything. We don't really tell them what we do. So they don't bother with the books. They don't believe in ghosts, you know, that kind of way. So that if, if I had a, if I was worried about having the books there, I'd remove them because there's books there in devil worship. Like there's voodoo books there, how to, how to control people with your mind. How to control people's thoughts. There's books that freak you out, like, you know. Yeah. But out of all the books, there's a lot of good books. There's a lot of good Bibles. There's a lot of study books, you know. There's a lot of holy stuff out there as well, which is fantastic. Actually, I, I came across an article today, actually, when I, when I was doing some research. I'm just looking for the name of it now. So it was uh, by the um, St. John D. Seymour, the Irish witchcraft and demonology. I have it. <laughs> Uh, I, I, thought, also, I thought you might have it. Hold on there. I have one of my books here that I'm in. Let's see when I get out here. Let me see if we can find where I am. I might read a case file there if we can get into it. So we, we, we do have a question, actually. There's one, obviously, being in a, a paranormal group. There was one of the case files that, that we read that, that kind of struck home to, to, to what we do and what a lot of our sort of followers do. And that was the one yeah. with the, the couple who visited the... Um, the public, um, the the public investigation. Oh yeah. Let me let me think back. Is that is that one of the ones I done? Was it? It was. Yeah. 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 Trying to learn as much as I could, you know. I've gone to Stansted years and years ago to to the mediumship school. I've done everything just to just to do a parapsychology, psychic work, distance healing. I've done everything when I was young and foolish. Just just I don't stupid stuff as well. Just to just to know everything because when I go into a, a case and there is mediums there are psychics, you know, when I argue with them or whatever happens, I'm not a hypocrite because I I, I know I, I like you know, I like to know everything. You know that kind of way. So when you do have a disagreement with someone, you're not sort of, you're not being rude. You're not saying, "Well, I'm a demon, I'm your medium. You're wrong, I'm right." Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to give off that vibe because there are a lot of good mediums out there, a lot of good psychics out there. 
You know, there's a lot of good people who do a lot of good work and there's a lot of good demonologists. There's a lot of bad demonologists. There's a lot of good pastors. A lot of bad pastors. You see a few bad pastors and they're healing people in church and they're charging a fortune. You know what I mean? Like so. So yeah, so I've done a lot of paranormal and I was, I was, you know, the paranormal was okay. I was learning a lot, but it was, I was just getting fed up of it because it's mostly entertaining and truth seeking. You know, you go into a, you go into do a public investigation in, in a haunted house and you could have 70, 80 people going to see you and, you know, you're getting, you're bringing spirits forward. You're doing all the nonsense to entertain them. Then a week later, you're in the house trying to clear a house. And I was, it was, I was just saying to myself, geez, this has been very hypocritical. Like, I'm going to lose my protection if I keep doing this. Can't invoke spirits one week and then cast them out the next week. It doesn't work that way. You can't have the best of our worlds, you know? You shouldn't mess with paranormal. You shouldn't mess with spirits. Spirits are not toys, you know? And that's the truth of it. So what happened was I was doing a, this is years ago, I was doing a, a public investigation with a team. And I remember there was a camera, there was a couple there, never weren't a couple, there were a brother and a sister. And they were doing scrying in a room. And I was talking to them. And about six, seven months later, I had left the paranormal world. I was fully just concentrating on demonology because I was doing demonology for years. But when I started doing the demonology, no one else was into it. None of the paranormal teams or psychics believed that they all said it was nonsense. And, you know, it was very, I was, I was, I was going to give it up, like, because people were saying it was nonsense. But something inside me kept saying, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. So I kept doing it anyway, studying it. So anyway. What happened was I got a phone call from this couple and sorry, couple, brother and sister. Anyway, so anyway, I went off to the their house, met them, and then they introduced themselves and they said we're at the investigation last year. This is a year later. And I couldn't remember. I said, Oh yeah, I do remember. Yeah. So we got chatting. Anyway. So anyway, they just done a public investigation. They don't screen it. They brought a dark, a dark entity home and it's scratched, banged on the walls, it done all the nonsense, dreams, wouldn't let them sleep, poked them. All night just tapping them, pulling at them. Usually nonsense, basically. But I tried three times to get rid of that thing. I couldn't get rid of it. So when we had the email, an exorcist, he'd come in and done the case then. And I think he'd done it twice. I'm not sure. It's a long time ago. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, to this day, I still think it's there. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, we've tried so hard to get rid of it. So I haven't heard from him in a while. But if you get in contact with me, I'll try and get back and help him. Because... Like when we do a case, we're always there to the finish, you know. We never stop. We're always there to help them. But at the end of the day, it's up to people to contact you as well if they need you. Like they can go six months without hearing from people. So does that make sense? Like yeah. I don't like ringing. I don't like ringing people every week and every week trying to. I don't do that. Like if you want me, ring me. I don't like running around too much other people. I have too much going on. I have too many cases because when you get a case, <clears throat> you don't get one case. This is an old fact. You get one case a week later, you get another case. A week later, again, another case. They all come in threes and fours. You never get a case by itself for some reason. You know? That's, that's bizarre, that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's bizarre. You, do, you don't get... No, they always come in threes. But the thing is, as well, like, when you get a case, it costs money. You know, when I go into someone, I have to travel. I pay for my own petrol, my own digs. And plus, when I go into a house, I give stuff away. I give holy metals. I give books. I give oil. I give water. Bless Bex's price. I give most of the stuff I have away. I don't keep it. I'll give it. I'll give you 15 holy medals to put around your house. You know what I mean? Like anything to keep that family safe. Yeah. And that's that's how it is. That's the way it's always been. I, I, I personally think what you do is, is pretty amazing, to be honest. 
it's a, it's not real. It is and it isn't. Like the people like the thing like I remember years ago when I I've been doing like, I was doing demonology for years. Next minute, the Condra movie come out, and uh, every two minutes I had young lads and young ones ringing me and texting me, "Do you want to be demonologists?" And all because after watching the movie, like. And I was like, God, oh, Jesus Christ. It's like, I was trying to explain to him, like, it doesn't work that way. You're either drawn to this, you're not drawn to it. Like, you have to, it's not for everybody. Like, it's, you know, it, it ages you, like, you know, and that's the truth of it. Like, plus the other side of being a demonologist, not, there's not many demonologists in Ireland. There are people that do clearance now, but, you know, you have a few books, you get them, you know, you do your radio shows, but like, it is good to get out there and do stuff, but I don't like doing it. I don't like doing the interviews, but I'll do them anyway. I've told you this before. I hate doing the interviews, but sometimes you have to do it. Like, because the, the, way, the way I see it is if a bit of information saves someone or helps someone, you know? So I'm, 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 I'm going to go back a little bit now to your, to your haunted collection. Um, obviously, you, you're probably aware now there's a, there's a lot of haunted collections popping up all over the, all over the world at the moment. And the, there's one sort of collection that seems to be widely televised at the moment. Um, Zach Baggins, is it? <laughs> you, you, you're reading my mind. What what yeah. what's your views on that? Do you think do you think that's dangerous? I think I think you know so ever everything is dangerous, and that's the truth. But like curiosity killed the cat, as they say. Everything is dangerous. Like I don't do ghost hunting anymore. I can't be asked watching horror movies. You know, I put on a comedy. That's the truth. I just. You know, when I was young, lad, used to run into haunted homes and run into graveyards as well at nonsense. It's too dangerous. I don't do it. Zach Baggins is probably a nice man, but, you know, everything they do is, is money-oriented. It's all for money. Like, he's making, he's making a lot of money out of a museum. Yeah. People are curious. They want to know what's out there. But at the end of the day, do you really need to know what's out there? Yeah. You know? I read yeah. that um, he's purchased the Devil's Rocking Chair from the because they were doing the film, aren't they? Conjuring Three with the rocking chair. The no, Devil made me do it, and apparently no, he's had to move it because a lot of bad things are happening. I'm not quite sure. I don't I, like. I think I don't know who has the rocking horse, but it's I don't know mm. if it did. If it had anything to do with the Warrens, maybe they would have it. You know, when they keep it in their own collection. You know, I'm not quite sure to be honest. But I don't, I don't really, to be honest, I hate to say this, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I actually don't care. Like, it, I just I, I keep think, away from it. Yeah, I think the question... But I'm don't trying... get me wrong. I would like to say, like, I'm not being wrong. If I ever went to America, I would probably visit one myself, just for curiosity, but I wouldn't touch anything. Like, when Ed Warren was doing doing cases, he, Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren, when he was doing cases and they had the doll, the Annabelle doll, that doll was dangerous. It was class as most dangerous doll in the world. In the world, people were getting seriously hurt. Nowadays, you turn on Facebook, the dolls pass around the paranormal. Like, it's all over the place. You're just passing around like a toy. Like, here's a paranormal conference. Let's throw the doll in there. Let people pick it up and get photographs. I don't think, I think if everyone was alive today, that wouldn't happen. These things should be locked up and kept sealed. Not passed around like party tricks. That is the truth of it. If anybody comes into my house and goes in my book collection, I'll tell them, Say hell, Mary, don't touch any of them books. Yeah. You don't know where they're coming from. You know, like demonology, people ask me what's like being a demonologist. Demonologist, demonology is a curse. I love helping people, but it's a curse at the same time. That's the truth, but like it's it's a curse. It opens you up to a different side of things, you know. It opens yeah. you up to darkness. 
things you shouldn't see and experience, and that is the truth. When you looked into a, a person that's possessed, you lose part of yourself. You shouldn't see. When a possessed person looks at you, it's not human eyes. It's inhuman. And part of you, any exorcist will tell you, part of them just, just goes. Same with doing cases. Every time you go in and do a case, you leave a case, you just feel, you feel drained. You feel like you've lost part of yourself. You've given something that you're not getting back. You know, it takes its toll. There is a saying, I don't know if it's true or not, but there is a saying that exorcists, only like after doing exorcism, your, your lifespan drops. You might get 20 years, 30 years. That's what they say. You don't live long if you're an exorcist. You know? That's what they say. And anyway, I don't know if it's true or not. I could be wrong, but that's what I've read and that's what I've heard people I say. Yeah. Hmm? I just could not imagine it. It's no, she lose part of yourself. You're seeing something that's that, that's just it takes away from you. Yeah, drains the life of you completely. Like you know. Yeah. So how how would you true. how would you advise people to protect their homes then? Don't bring anything into your home. Full stop. You know, don't do any occult stuff. You know, especially that that stage years near. I think it's about three years now. I'm not sure where. I had kids and parents running me over this Charlie, Charlie. You know, you do yes and no with the pencils. I've had a couple of cases from that. You know, people thought it was a joke. But yeah. the more people done it, the more people wanted. Like, like, if you put a glass on the table and you put your fingers on it and you put enough thought into that, that glass will move, you'll summon something. It's the attention you give. You have children playing with Charlie, Charlie or using Ouija boards and they're putting enough thought into it, enough psychic energy. They, they want something to happen. That door, this, the demonic, that dark things get, they notice. People did, how to say this, the demonic, get, they notice this. Yeah. They're waiting for invitation all the time. And the thing is, once the door is open, like one Panda, once Pandora's box is open, start to close, you invite, you use a Ouija board and you play with your friends and nothing happens. You know, you, you throw the board back in the press. There's no time in the spirit world, but spirits are very aware of time. I'm, I'm, so I'm what not happens sure. is, so what happens is that entity could attach to your bloodline. It's already attached to you because you've used the board. You have it hasn't spoken, hasn't moved anything. You've thrown it back in the closet and said, oh, "Sorry, I didn't work." And next minute, it hasn't attacked. It won't attack you. It could, but most of the time, they don't. They just wait. And next minute, your, your kids, or it, it can attack your kids, your grandkids, because it's attached to the blue line. It can travel down through the generations. Most of the Ouija board cases I get are 20 years later. Or the granddad used the Ouija board, or the father used the Ouija board, and now the kids are suffering. Some cases happen straight away. Some happen 20 years later. Yeah. That's the dangers. You don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what's happening. Like, you inviting something in, that has got pure knowledge of everything that's been around since the beginning of time, that has supernatural powers, that has hatred for human beings. It's the hatred. If, like, if we were not protected, these things would kill you. Children, babies, animals, it would kill everything. But the thing is as well, God protects us. He gives us all a guardian angel. And the devil was a highest order of angel. He's, he's super... Sonic powers per se, right? But your guardian angel is more powerful for one reason. So are most of the angels. Most all the good angels have more power and they have more knowledge because they have the grace from God. When God when you God gives you grace 
and you see God, you have more knowledge and you have more power. But because they fell, they kept the power they had, they kept the knowledge they had, but that's all they have. <clears throat> they have no more than that. And they can only, everything they do, they do with permission. They go into your house, they bang on the wall, they need permission to do it from God. They thump you, drag you along the floor, they have to get permission. Everything is done with permission. It's like a courtroom. When you invite a demonic being in, you threw a Ouija board out of your cult, and when you try to remove it, it comes down to a court case. It comes down to legal rights where the demon must, will fight off the angels and they'll fight one another, but the demon will say, we have the right to be here. We have the right to be here. We were invited in. We have permission to be here. This is our location now. And the angel will fight back and say, no, no, no. We, we were Dave asked for help. God has sent us here. Your legal rights have now been cancelled. You have to leave. Then they'll leave. An argument might break, but they'll leave. Sometimes they won't leave. A hierarchy won't. Like a devil might leave and say, no. Because their hatred for God is, is so strong. It's pure hatred. They know they're doomed. They know where they're going. So they'll, like human beings break rules. Demons break rules. Yeah. So they don't care. It takes, like, like when you go into a case, <clears throat> a low demon, low ranking demon might trash the house, yeah? But if you go into a room where, say, rosary beads are broken, where upside down crosses have appeared, only something so high up in the order, like a, de- like a devil, only something so full of hatred and anger, something that hates would even do that. When you have upside down crosses and holy medals are broken, stuff like that, and crucifixes are snapped, they're on fire. That you're in serious trouble then. So you you you, you were talking about the hierarchy demons. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show my sort of um, lack of understanding it. I was reading today um, that Ireland or there's Ireland has its own demons. So like the Celtic demons, is there is there sort of regional or religion um, related demons as well, or is it just is is, is that going way into the you know so the, the, the simple question is. When when all when the third of the angels fell, they fell as they fell together. They fell as one. They all worked together, yeah. but they all pretend to be different things. They all they can pretend to be spirit guides. They can pretend to be angels. You know, they pretend to be different gods, and they have their own signals, sigils. Sorry. So, do you ever see like the pentagrams and the different signals that to summon different demons? But they all work together. Everything's done for everything's done for a reason. Like when you have a haunt in the house. And there's three knocks in the wall. They didn't just like they don't knock in the wall to frighten you. It's done on purpose. The three knocks is done on purpose for it's the tr- it's basically the Trinity, but like scratching on the walls. It's done. For, it's done for a particular reason. It's done to study your emotions, your auric field. So you walk into a room and you hear a baby crying, and there's no children there, and you start to panic. They know for a fact that that's working. That emotion, is that's tr- that trigger that they've used is frightening you. But they'll knock in the wall and that might frighten you. So what they'll do is they'll go back to the, tr- the original trigger to frighten you with the, ba- the crying baby and they'll make it worse. And they build up your fear. And the more psychic energy you release, the stronger it gets and the darker it gets. That's how they work. They walk off your emotions, your senses. Yeah. They attack every part of you internally, external, physical, psychological. They attack your brain. They attack everything. You might start, you could have a happy family and uh, the, one of the parents starts fighting with the other parent for no reason. Then you go off into your room, you'll be talking to yourself, oh, jeez, I'm fed up. I, just, I can't stand this anymore. And the thoughts go into your head, but it's not your thoughts, it's something else. Basically, in, in, imprinting them in there. 
is called oppression. They didn't print them in there. So you start to start to isolate you. You start to fight with your family. And then they do the, the physical one, where you, the oppression on the outside, where you start seeing stuff in the house, shadows, dark figures. Then you start talking to yourself. It's, it's crazy. Like, like these things, like they're experts. They know how to drive a person mad. They know how to physically break you down. Because that's what they do. Does that make sense? I do talk a lot of nonsense as well, so I do apologize. <laughs> no, it, it does. We've, um, we've lost your video, Gavin. We can hear you, oh, but we've lost your video. Yeah, my, I think my battery's about to go dead. <laughs> oh. Well, what, what we can do there, we, we, that, that's probably a, an opportune moment. We can, we can put an end to it there and maybe schedule um, a, a part three if you if you, yeah, if no you, worries. If you, if you game for that. Yeah, cool. No worries. We'll pick yeah. a subject and I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, 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 definitely. Listen, yeah. listen, listen, thanks for having me anyway. I do talk a lot of nonsense and waffling on here. So. No, we, <laughs> we, we, we love it. All right, no worries. Take care. Have a good evening. All Thank right. Thank, thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Right. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye.